And now, from Speakspokane Studios, it's the Super 90s Brothers! That was a close one, ladies and gentlemen. But of course, in every contest, there must be a loser. Le-who-za-her. Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers. Ow! Where we do hazy memory riffs on the most radical decade ever. I'm your host, Brendan Pointer. Along with me... In the in in flesh in person, I guess my co-host Adam J. Pitzler. How are you? Oh, and today we're talking about Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Oh, good to be here live. Yeah, I. Me too. Good it's to be alive. Good to be alive, and it's good to be live. And it's this has come full circle, Adam. It's been two, more of, more of an oval, but it's been two years since we've recorded our. In person, yeah. When you broke your broke your femur, and you told everyone that I had a like an addiction to opiates, yeah, morphine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but now we're we're only we're like less than two miles where we recorded that, and uh, in my in my house where I do my podcast with my wife. Yeah, this is great. This is uh, the first trip I've taken since the pandemic. I decided to come home, take care of some business, see my good friend Brennan, and see some family in Spokane, Washington. So I'm at Brennan's house, who put me up for the night, doing some live Super 90s Bros for our awesome fans. I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm especially excited to do this episode of Ace Ventura. Uh, I mean, should we just get into it? Get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Well, so Ace Ventura debuted... February 4th, 1994, with a budget of $15 million and made over $107 million. Ow! Uh, that's nuts. That's a lot. That's a, that's, that's a, that's big. Who gave the funny white guy from In Living Color a $15 million budget to do this weird character comedy written by a no-name Canadian writer? Like, who had the, who had the cojones to greenlight that? I, I'm... Don't know who wrote. I guess we'll get into this in production, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, we'll get into like all the production stuff I'm, later. I'm more saying like from like a, a studio standpoint, like that's 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 a big risk. Fifteen million dollars on Ace Ventura's like, or excuse me, on Jim Carrey's first comedy. You had no idea if people were gonna like him. Did did we not know if people were gonna like him? Well, I mean, he was popular on In Living Color, but it's not like he was the showstopper. I mean, like, I mean, it was the it's the African Americans were the stars of that show. That's true, and. I guess I just feel like going back and watching this now, like it's, I mean, it's Jim Carrey. So like when you go back and watch it now, you don't think, you don't think of this being Jim Carrey's like first feature film, like starring role. Yeah. Big first mainstream blockbuster comedy that was like well marketed that everyone saw um, on TV. Everyone saw advertisements and, you know, plenty of people weren't, watching in living color for whatever reason, or they just weren't really familiar with Jim Carrey for whatever reason until Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah. I mean, and so how old were you when you saw this? Did you see like, obviously we were 1984. I had a fun, I have a fun kind of fun story. I had invited my buddy Mark over. I was about 10 or 11 years old 
to my stepdad Dan's place where me and my mom had just moved. And Dan's kids were there too. His, my stepbrothers, Carmen, Cor, excuse me, Carmen and Ricky. And so like the four of us, me, Mark, Carmen and Ricky and our parents, mom and Dan, they like took us to the movie store to rent videos. And this is an important story for mostly because they gave us, they gave us these giant um, candy bags of, uh, we used to call them stoner straws. They're called sour punch straws. And that was like, that was the first night I fell in love with uh, sour punch straws was the night I watched Mm. Ace Ventura Pet Detective for the first time. Did you drink stuff out of the straws? No, they're not that kind of straw. Oh, okay. You you can't actually drink. They're not hollow. Oh, they're not. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, my sister used to tell me they were called stoner straws because like the stoners liked them at her high school. Yeah. And that kind of stuck in our household for whatever reason. But it's Sour Punch Straws, which are like, to date, my top three candies. Oh, wow. Yeah. Top three candies. Like Mamba, Laffy Taffy, Sour Punch Straws are like my top three. How many do you eat before you stop? Because you know that if you eat that, you're going to get like, your mouth is just going to go raw. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like a dog with like a turkey dinner in front of it. Like, I don't know enough to stop myself. <laughs> I'm going to be like laying in the corner, like asking for belly aches. Like... However many you have. Do you have 100 stoner, stoner straws? I'll eat 100. And then I'll be like awful. Like my mouth will feel like shit for like a day. And I'm like, what did I do? And it, it can give you stomach aches if you eat too many. Right, yeah. I mean, it's like, this, I mean, it's Sour Patch Kids. Like that was my favorite. That was my movie snack when I went to movies. Yeah. And I would eat the whole thing. And then at the end of the movie, I'd feel like shit. And my mouth would be like. Yeah. It's like all part of the bleeding. experience. I mean, it's it's really it's, it's pretty much like drugs for kids, right? Like what you're describing is like drug use for adults, where they do something that they know isn't good for them, makes them feel like shit, but they're right. enjoying it in the moment. Mm. That so like stoner punch straws, uh, sour patch kids, yeah, drugs for kids. So so you're watching this with your friend, and we're eating stoner straws yeah. like it's nobody's business. Like I remember we got three of the jumbo packs: one of sour apple, one of the the strawberry, and one of the blue kind. The blue is my favorite. Yeah. I think it's blue Raz. But anyway, we're watching it and we, I mean, we'd seen in living color, but I didn't, I didn't really make the connection. That's the same. Like I'm 10 years old. You know, I didn't like, Oh, that's the government living color. Like I, yeah. I wasn't such an in living color fan that it hit me like that. We're watching it though. Laughing at like every scene thinking like, what is this outrageous comedy? Like this is, this is so not what we expected, but it's so fun. It's so upbeat. Yeah, it really is. Like, uh, I, I mean, my memory of it is hazy of watching it. Cause like, because when I was a kid, all the Jim Carrey movies after it were like must see movies. Like you go to the movies to see the mask. See, is it the mask? The mask. Uh, I don't. I was ca- calling it mask, but uh, mask or, is the one with Cher, <laughs> right? And and Eric, uh, Stoltz. And Eric Stoltz. Eric <laughs> uh, Stoltz. Did, did you finish your story? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think I probably watched this on VHS with my dad. He probably we probably went down to the the convenience store where they had the rentals and we probably rented it. I mean, I don't, I definitely didn't see this in the movie theater. I don't think, uh, no, I didn't, but I mean, but yeah, being a kid, like it was hilarious. Like it was, and, and there's so many one liners in this movie that we still say today. Yeah. I like I said one this morning. I mean, I think all Jim Carrey's are like Jim Carrey movies. Are like there's so, he has so many one liners that have quotable. Just, that just go, that are just in, what is it called? When it's just like, people say it, but they don't even know that it's from that. In the ether? It's in the ether, yeah. Um, like, Well, that that's a pretty, I mean, there are a ton of good quotes in this. And to learn more about the story, it's time for our favorite segment. Ooh, let's do it. Brennan's bad synopsis. Okay, well, the, the I, I'm going to butcher this like I do all I of know, them. I know. But 
it's about a pet detective. <laughs> Ace Ventura, he's a pet detective. He um he lives in South F- F- Beach or Miami, I guess, and he finds people's animals. And he is set on the case by I don't know who I don't know who hires. He gets like starts working with the police department or is it Courtney Cox hires him as like a private investigator. But she's a police officer. No, she works for the team. She works for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> and they hire him to find because the, the the dolphin of the, the Miami Dolphins has been he's been Snowflake. kidnapped. Snowflake. Snowflake. Snowflake has been kidnapped, and Ace Venture has to find him. And but it, they need him for the Super Bowl because Dan Marino is they're going to the Super Bowl and they need Snowflake or else they're going to lose. Right? Is that like is it is there a thing there? Like that's yeah. that's the story. That's the synopsis of this movie. Ace Ventura is put on the case to find Snowflake and. Hilarity ensues. Snowflake the dolphin, the mascot of the Miami Dolphins, is kidnapped in some sort of a revenge plot against mm. Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins by a former kicker. Ray Tinkle? Ray Finkle? Ray Finkle, sorry. That we'll get into. But yeah, I mean, you, 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 some of your synopses are all over the place. That was actually pretty spot on. I mean, there's not, I mean, this movie's simple. But like, when we talked earlier about like selling, pitching this, like, <laughs> I would love to know the like elevator pitch for this movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, hear me <laughs> out. I'll, I'll make one up on the spot. Hear me out. You've got this guy. He's got really stupid hair. He talks out of his butt. He dresses like a 1970s like porn star. And uh, he gets, he gets, he's a pet detective. Okay. And everyone's like, what the fuck is a pet detective? And I guess this was like a loosely known thing around the early nineties where people started doing this, where they would seek out lost pets and return them for reward. Mm. And um, so I think somebody kind of ran with that concept and, and, so, and just gave it this zany character. And you go, no, hear me out. It's the Super Bowl. you know. <laughs> and he gets hired to save the dolphin from the Miami Dolphins. And why did the dolphin get kidnapped? Because a kicker is pissed off at Dan Marino over something that happened like 15 years ago. Like, that's the pitch. That's, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, And she's a hermaphrodite. Or excuse me, trans. I don't, I mean. That I don't is, even know what it I, is. I don't even know. The... the he is. The, he is. I don't I mean, know. It's such a. It's that, a tough thing to talk about. <laughs> it's like. I mean, it's not even that. It's just like, I. Because like that. That's a big twist in the movie. At the end, is that Ray Tinkle Finkel. Finkel. Sorry, Finkel is this woman who's been this whole time. The but, police, but like director. But she. But it's played. But she's played by Sean Young. Sean Young. Like Sean Young's beautiful, and there's no chance that this person was ever a man, <laughs> which is. Which is really confusing. Well, the twist wouldn't work if you would have cast a guy to play the woman. Poli- well, the and, police and obviously, but like, it it just wasn't believable at the end. Like, I was just like, oh, that, I mean, it doesn't make sense. It, it, I guess I, you're supposed to suspend disbelief, and it's a comedy, and it's supposed to be funny, so I'll, I'll let him have that. But like, the ending never made sense to me. <laughs> so there's this funny part where like uh, Ace Ventura's in his apartment, and he's like, Finkel and Einhorn, Einhorn and Finkel, what's the connection? And there's like a picture of Ray Finkel on a newspaper, and then his dog sits almost on top of the paper so that the dog's hair creates new, long, pretty hair over Ray Finkel's like mugshot or whatever. And then like that's when Ace Ventura like puts it all together, and it like doesn't make any sense because that doesn't look anything like like the police director. Yeah, so... Don't they have sex too in the movie? They kiss. They kiss. Okay. So like, there's this, this weird awkward tension between Ace Ventura and oh, what's her name? Einhorn, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Einhorn, who is also Ray Finkel in disguise. Lieutenant Einhorn, played by Sean Young, is the police director, 
And she knows Ace Ventura because he's always like fucking around in the police studio and getting in their way of like official police business. And so Ace Ventura and her don't like each other. And they're always, and Ace is always giving her shit and talking out of his ass to her people. Like literally, he talks out of his ass. <laughs> and then um, I can't remember what happens, but at some point, Lieutenant Einhorn acts like she likes Ace and is turned on by his good detective work and starts making out with him and like grabs his ass and stuff. <laughs> and the only reason Jim Carrey doesn't go through with it is because he had just landed Courtney Cox in the movie. So he's like kind of spoken for at the time. And he's like, oh, okay, sorry, but no thanks. And he leaves. And then he finds out yeah. it's a man later. <laughs> and he goes, and it's this really funny like reveal moment where he goes, Einhorn is a man. Oh my God. And he's all excited. And then his face changes like, oh my God. <laughs> Einhorn is a man. And then, it sh- and then it's like, it cuts to this crying game music where he's like in the shower, like weeping, like scrubbing himself with soap, <laughs> like crying, like eating like all giant packs of gum. It is so funny. Uh, I'm going to have you scoop the mic. That, that, I'm, that, that was a good scene. Like, I just, I remember that. And he doesn't, he like, like, what does he do? He, like, cleans out his mouth, like, with a bunch yeah, of, he's like, just, he's, he's always, like, he's, like, pouring toothpaste into his mouth, mm-hmm. like a Pez dispenser, kind of. And just, and they're, they're, he's constantly eating these giant gum wads throughout the movie. Yeah. After yeah. he finds that out. <laughs> um, so let's get into the characters. We're, I mean, obviously Ace. The, Alrighty, then. Is the, you know, the... The main character. Let's uh, let's play a quick drop for for our listeners. Did you have any trouble getting in? No, the guy with the rubber glove was surprisingly gentle. Uh, security's tight. Super Bowl week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Ace, he's. I mean, we kind of talked about him already. He's he's a he's, he's a, a he's a he's a weirdo. He's like, a pet detective. He's eccentric and uh, was. So the movie opens really well. Yeah. Like he's on a case with um, Randall Tex Cobb has kidnapped this dog. Randall Tex Cobb is a character actor from the 90s. And he's got this really like gruff look. I think he used to be a football player. Mm-hmm. And um, he's kidnapped his like ex-wife's dog or something. So Ace is pretending to be like a UPS delivery guy delivering like this piece of shit package that is clearly broken. That He's proceeding to like kick like a soccer ball through the hallways. Then he gets to him and he makes the switch. Like he runs out with this little dog and Randall Tex Cobb, this giant guy is like chasing him through the street and hammering his car with a baseball bat and beating him up. And Ace makes off with the dog and gets it back to like the hot ex-wife who can't pay him, at least not with money, <laughs> but she, she settles the score in other ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he, was Ace Ventura a character that he did on? I don't think so. On Living Color, I like really, I think this is an original character by the screenwriter, uh, a Canadian screenwriter. So, and it, it, when you look at like who wrote it, Jim Carrey's listed as like the third person on the. But 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 like he's that's because he's ad libbing a lot of this, right? And he probably went through and said, "It'd be funnier if I said this in this scene. It'd be funnier if I did this in the scene." Like I'm not saying that he didn't contribute, but like he, you know, he's not the he's not the generator. Is Jim Carrey like this? I mean, I know he's not like this now in real life, but like, was this his, I know this was his shtick. Like, this is like, he did these kind of characters and stand up and stuff like that. But like, on set, like. He's a method he, actor. He's a method actor. So is he like this the entire time? I, I don't think it was this early in his career. I don't think he was such an annoying method actor at this yeah. point in his career. Um, his method acting stories are legendary on the set of like Man in the Moon mm-hmm. for being like some of the most obnoxious behavior. I saw that comment the other day on Facebook <laughs> that you oh, yeah. <laughs> about how he just isn't how 
actors are annoying that they're so annoying. Character. Like, yeah, it's so fucking annoying. Like, I, and and then you get all these like butt hurt like wannabe actors who have never done anything outside of lo- local community theater telling you what's right and like, oh, you don't know what method acting is. And it's like, look what I I'll tell you what I know that making a movie is a business, and there's like over a hundred people all trying to pull the rope in the same direction to make it good. And it's very competitive. And if you have some like wild card actor acting like a dickhead five-year-old to everyone on set the whole time, it is bad for the production. And it, it makes everybody dislike that person. Do you know, have you ever, have you, you've worked with method actors like on like a local level? I don't want to say that exactly. I've never worked with somebody okay. that's committed like this. Okay, but I have, I have worked with actors who don't want to break character between takes. Mm. And when and I was like directing my quick plug. You can watch my film Manhandlers on Amazon Prime. When I was directing Manhandlers, there was like two actors that I won't name who are kind of like that. Mm. And what that's fine if they're doing everything perfect. But if something's not working and you need to change something, either with them or with the scene. It's like you can't communicate th- like with them like as working partners. Right. It's like you're almost like a fucking court jester going to the king, like pleading with him to like change his mind about something. And it's like it the balance of power is all wrong in that situation. Like the balance of power in a movie should always belong to the director. Yeah. Hmm. So so we're gonna assume that Jim Carrey was not method acting this I, movie. <laughs> well, I, I don't I mean he probably was a little I mean, if he's a method actor, he probably was a little bit, but you got to understand there's degrees of method acting. Right. A lot of people can turn it off between takes because they realize they're, they're still a fucking person, mm-hmm. you know, on a fucking movie set. They're not actually Ace Ventura. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So fuck you, Joaquin Phoenix and Jared Leto. And who's the other big method actor? The, the English guy. He's like, I don't know. He's like quit. He's like quit Cumber- acting. Benedict Cumberbatch. Back? No, he's like, it was my left foot. Daniel uh, Day-Lewis. Day like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's probably a terrible method actor. I I, I, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is kind of the one that I, I almost like don't care because some of his performances are just so, so spectacular. That's true, yeah. Could you imagine hanging out with him on like Gangs no. of New York? No. Oh, I hate Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York is so bad. Why doesn't Gangs of New York get more shit? Um, <laughs> so true. So Ace Ventura, next character. Uh, Courtney yep. Cox, yeah, Melissa Robertson. She plays a character that is, she works for the Miami Dolphins as like yeah. an HR person, I think. No, or PR or something. PR, like that. something like that. She she gets assigned the role of helping find the dolphins. So she's Ace's main point of contact with the Miami Dolphins to help find Snowflake. Mm. And Ace pulls her into some of his kooky scams, like going to this millionaire guy's aquarium, which is a pretty fun scene. Mm. And uh, they develop a relationship, and Ace hits it. He hits it. Yeah. Oh, like he hits it. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. And at this time, Courtney Cox is just in Friends. Newly, new, new like newly minted famous. Like I would say. I mean, I mean, is Friends out yet? Yeah. When did Friends come out? I want to say ninety three. Ninety three. I'm not. Boy, man. Um, but she was already like pretty famous, right? No, not not before Friends. That's not true. She was in Masters of the Universe. With Dolph Lundgren. Okay. She was a main character in that movie. Okay. Like, she was, when you said, like. terrible. Nobody saw it. Oh, that's not true. Everyone saw Masters of the Universe. It was, like, one of the highest grossing films of that year. Kids saw it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a kid's movie. It was an HBO movie that was always on. All right. Well, let let me just ask you a straightforward question. (laughs) What do you think led to to this role? Do you think the producer said, wow, I loved her in Masters of the Universe, or look what she's doing in Friends? I mean, that. Okay. So, I mean, okay. obviously, I, so I snuff that argument. I will agree. Like, yeah, 1994. Like, so this is 
peak corny cox. No, it's like entry corny. It's like the world's being introduced to corny cox. We're like, whoa, look at this beautiful brunette. Yeah, I, I can see that. So, but so she Ace Ventura. So, anyways, her character is. I would say her character is pretty blah. She's yeah. she's a love interest. She helps push some story along with you know stuff. But like, I would say like she's kind of eye candy for the movie. She is, and I, I think that one counter argument to that point is that when you've got such an outrageous character like Ace Ventura, everyone else needs to play it kind of straight. That's true. You can't have a lot of that going on. I wonder if there's other girls, other women actors that were up for this role besides her that would have made this movie a little bit better. I feel like she kind of, her character is this, I never, I don't like Courtney Cox. Like hmm. of the friends, like she's probably my least favorite friend. Based on her role in Friends or her as an actress? Her as an actress. I didn't never liked her in Scream. Oh. Like, I just never really much liked her. She's kind of just cold and kind of bitchy. Like, I just, she's like, that's, I don't really like that in my woman actors. Mm, interesting. Coming from you. Uh, okay. All right. I like, I, I like, I like Jennifer Aniston. She, Jennifer Aniston would have been better yeah. than Courtney Cox. Uh, yeah, but Jennifer Aniston had, you know, she was so busy making Leprechaun in 1993. <laughs> um, <laughs> With Warwick Davis. The, <laughs> the great one. Leprechaun is a good movie. We should do that for... Um, Leprechaun is not a good movie. Next year for... Uh, we should do that next year for St. Patrick's Day. We could. Or for Halloween. I don't know. Is that a Halloween movie or is that a... It's a good St. Patrick's Day movie. Okay. We could do it this year for St. Patrick's Day. I mean, St. Patrick's oh, Day yeah. already happened. We just missed it. February. Um, and then... Tone Loke shows up. Oh! Tone Loke. Funky Cole Medina. Um, <laughs> are we going to play that? Do you want to play that drop right now? Sure. Let's do it. Here's a here's a little little reminder of who Tone Look was. Just calling my dog, man. That was Ace. Tricks off for kids and then I'll put tricks, eggs. He's the number one bet, dick. No need for a fireman. When your cat's up a tree, he's the one that you hire, man. No one to bring her back alive if your cat scratch or if it took your guy. This was following a really popular uh, 90s trope where every comedy got its own rap song. <laughs> what other movies had rap songs? I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, what's, Adam's Family had a Nimsy Hammer rap. Adam, Adam's Family. Um, what's that terrible movie with uh, Dan Aykroyd? And like, they. Oh, the one like really, really awful movie? Yeah, with oh, like. Oh, I always forget the name of that movie. And it's uh, the guy with the big nose. Yeah. Um, that. that is it like Big Trouble something? Like Big that? Trouble, yeah. yeah. But like the rapper I'm thinking of is, I can't think of his name. But yeah, um, Tone Loke um, had just done Bebe's Kids, which is a really popular um, animated movie, especially in African-American circles in 1993. It's really funny. If you guys haven't seen Bebe's Kids and you like animated 90s comedies, I think you'll really like it. Tone Loke plays the baby in it with that really gruff, gravelly voice. Mm. It's a really nice fit. Yeah. And Tone Loke, you know, was... I mean, you wonder, did they cast Tone Loke so they could get him to do a rap song for Ace Ventura? I don't know, but I mean, that's some cross-promotion. Like, Tone Loke was popular at the time. Uh, he did Blank Check. Like, he did Blank, yeah, he did Blank Check. He we, was the... Check out our Blank Check podcast in our library. Um, yeah, that... Is that probably one of our most listened to episodes? Blank really? Check. It's really random. Oh, man, we hated Blank Check. <laughs> we rip on it the whole podcast. Yeah, and that, I mean, that was, that's probably why it's so good, is because we ripped on it the entire time. Um, but, but I don't... But, even, so, you, Tone Loke's in this movie. Is he a police officer? Emilio yeah, is yeah. his he's, name. Yeah, he works for Lieutenant Einhorn. He does something for the police department. I don't know if he's a police officer or if he's like an admin for the police office. Like he works for the police, but I don't know in what role. Yeah, so he's in the movie. I don't actually, when you pointed out that he's in it, I, 
I can remember scenes of him. I don't really remember much to it. Maybe that they got him in the movie to do a rap. Yeah, I, I mean, you certainly wonder that, right? Yeah. Um, and then maybe the next character, which in my opinion might be the best celebrity character tie-in to a movie plot, at least that was done right, ever. The, the great one. The Dan, great one. Dan Marino. Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. He did not. He made it to the Super Bowl. I think it was his rookie or his second year, yeah. and he lost. He never made it back. But he won it in Ace Ventura. He, he, well, <laughs> no, they don't show the end. I imagine they won, right? Well, they I don't know. It's win. like the first quarter of the game when the movie ends. Um, he could have totally lost. Totally. Or no, no, it's the third quarter because he comes back at halftime. Yeah. Interesting that they got the NFL gave him the rights. Yeah, that is interesting. Because NFL doesn't give rights to anybody anymore. Yeah, I wonder how how much they. I wonder if how much of that fifteen million dollar budget is for that. <laughs> the licensing, yeah. And, well, and they, dude, they shoot at Joe Robbie Stadium. Like they yeah. they shoot at the fucking stadium. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mostly that, like wide shots. I only the, now that I think about it, like I, I mean, I can't think of many movies that actually have like movie like NFL team tie-ins except for <laughs> that stupid Tony Danza movie at Disney where he's like the the field goal kicking I have no idea what you're talking about there's a movie with Tony Danza he plays a he's like a he he's a garbage man and he <laughs> and he basically can he used to be a kicker but now he's a garbage man and he like anyways it's a weird movie he it, becomes it, a kicker for he, a bro team he, he becomes a kicker for the Philadelphia Eagles that is so much more believable that a, a kicker could be pulled off the street, though, than most positions. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, but anyways, and a, so a place kicker or a punter, a place kicker. Okay. Like a, so a he field makes goal, the winning field goal, a field goal kicker. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you know, what's a good uh, sports tie-in? A little off-topic is the movie The Town, uh, directed and starring Ben Affleck. Mm. How they tie in the final heist to the Boston Red Sox stadium, mm. and like it's like a Yankees Red Sox atmosphere. It's cool. I, I haven't ever, I haven't seen it to town yet. Oh, really? I don't think I have. Is I th that Casey Affleck? I, no, that's Ben Affleck. He ben directed Affleck. and started in. I think that's his best work as a director, The Town. Okay. Very good heist movie. Really gritty, but well mm. done. Not like, not cliche. Hmm, I'll, I'll go check it out. Um, yeah, but Dan Marino's in this, and he's, uh, I mean, they, well, I'm, his tie-in is that he's the quarterback of the team. Like, but it's more than that. It's, like, that. it's that he was part of a botched field goal attempt in the oh. Super Bowl like 13 years later. That like him and the place kicker were at odds over a botched field goal. Laces out, Dan. Laces out, and that <laughs> and that's why I think it's such a good celebrity character tie-in because it you didn't just force feed some celebrity into this movie or some famous quarterback. You gave him like a real plot background and and like um, legendary status in the mythology of the story. Yeah, and tied him into the central antagonist who had a vendetta against him because. The kicker couldn't take accountability for missing the kick, and it blamed Dan. Could you even think about that's kind of ridiculous to talk about these days? Because like you, you have such high definition cameras, it would be so blatantly obvious to everyone whether or not the laces were in or out. Like it yeah. would be no argument. Was that an argument in the movie that yeah. the laces were out or not out? Yeah, it was an argument. Ray Finkel kept insisting that the laces were in, and everyone else kept saying they were out. And like Dan, the whole time is like, no, they were out, and this kicker just can't get over it. What I'm saying is with high-definition cameras, even there's no discussion to be had. It's like, it's obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's, I mean, yeah, he's in the movie. I mean, I don't really remember him that well in the movie. It's at the end, at the end of the movie. Yeah, so. he's mostly in the end. But he has, like, some good buddy, buddy scenes with Ace Ventura. Like, after they, after they found out that they both had kissed a man, they're both, like, chewing Ace's gum. 
And Dan's like, hey, do you have any more of that gum? And Ace goes, no, I don't. And I thank you to stay out of my personal affairs. <laughs> and uh, uh, Dan Marino has a pretty funny scene. At the time, Dan Marino was pitching these these like performance gloves called isotoners. Okay. And I don't, I don't really, I was too young to know what these gloves were used for. I, I imagine they were just gloves known for having a good grip. Like mm-hmm. why else would you want to have a quarterback? You're supposed person, but they have isotoners in the movie. Like he's doing an isotoner commercial and there's something else with the gloves and Finkel at Finkel's parents house or something. Like isotoners, like for playing football in or yeah, like, or is it it's a, not is, clear to me? Is it an OJ Simpson joke? No, it's not an OJ okay. Simpson joke. It's just that was a real product that Dan Marino was the real spokesperson for at the time, and they worked it into the movie and product placed it. Wow, isn't that like wild? You that, never see shit like that anymore. You don't. I mean, I mean that's probably why they they needed to make some money. I really just feel like whoever put all this movie together did a really nice job. They they did a really nice job of of a wacky script, some good cast. They got Tone Loke to do a rap song. They got Dan Marino. They worked it all in with this fun backstory. And they had that crazy twist, which, yeah, doesn't make like a lot of tangible sense. You don't really believe that Ray Finkel is Lieutenant Einhorn. But it's a fun story twist. Yeah. Yeah. And we already touched on, I mean, obviously, Sean Young is in this movie as the Lieutenant, like... Lieutenant Einhorn. Yeah. I mean, she's famous from Blade Runner, right? Like, I think that's her big... I don't know. Was she in Blade Runner? Yeah. I, I don't know. Plays... I've only seen Blade Runner once. I yeah. like it. Yeah, it's a. I like Daryl Hannah in it. Ow. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's we're at a good stopping point for a second, and let's uh, let's get to our uh, our segment, our, our 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 newly named segment, right? Yeah. We we renamed it. Here it is. It's the tunes of the time. Oh yeah, tunes of the time. Yeah. This is where we play you the number one song in America at the time this movie was released, February fourth, nineteen ninety four. That was All for Love by Brian Adams, Sting, and Rod Stewart. We didn't get Sting in the song. Uh, That's all right. I don't want to listen to anymore. <laughs> I don't know this song. I've literally never heard this song in my life. This was the number one song for like five weeks. No way. Yes. Wow. Like I have, I have nothing to contribute to this other There's than no, I've never heard it. It's terrible. I'm glad you never. You feel lucky. This is such a pile of shit song. This song is like, it's like. Eight years too late. They're totally doing like an 80s rock ballad for like a mid-90s Disney action movie. Like this was the the song release that accompanied the Disney movie The Three Musketeers with like <gasps> Kiefer Sutherland and uh, Chris O'Donnell and Oliver Platt. Yeah. And uh, the guy nobody likes, Charlie Sheen. Mm. And that was a really popular, fun, successful movie. The tone of that song does not match the tone of this movie at all. And that is such a pet peeve of mine. This is such an annoying, stupid love ballad. Three Musketeers, the Disney movie, was not like that. Oh, Tim Curry is the awesome cardinal in that movie. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is also like bat, like OG VH1 days when they first started doing their awesomely bad like movie or music video countdown. This was like a mainstay. This was like a top three awesomely bad VH1 song on all of their lists. It, it was... And and I kind of feel like VH1 kind of created that. Like they all they all created the so bad it's good shit. Yeah. At least at the time. Yeah. 
I'm so I'm I, I cannot believe I have never seen this before. Maybe it's because I never saw Three Musketeers. And Three Musketeers is good. Eh. This is only the end credit song. Oh, like, like this is not the this is not the the title song for it. Well, it may may play it over the title. I don't think so though. I think this is the end credit song. Wow. And it's like it's stupid because it's all for one and all for me. Oh, they're saying all for one, you know. Oh, I, I need to get to the chorus thing because, like, I know that song. I just don't know this. I don't because I don't know. I, I don't know this. Like, we don't the, need the, to... the, the, the big part of it. Like, maybe I'll maybe I'll recut it and put the chorus in so people know what we're listening to. Masochist. <laughs> um, well, yeah, <laughs> that was the song of the time. Yeah, tunes of the time. Yeah, we go. Ow. Um, so pretty bad, pretty pretty big piece of shit, and made by three like music legends, mu- music icons. Yeah, I mean, and Brian Adams. <laughs> he's, he's, he's done a lot of popular I, things. People love Brian Adams. Yeah. I he's I not mean, my guy. I'm not well, Canadian. I'm not, I'm not so. a big Brian Adams Rod Stewart <laughs> guy or Sting for that matter. Though I do kind of like some of the stuff by the Police. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back into Ace Ventura. We're gonna get into like the the production history. So, do you want to intro this? Or, you seem to you lo- love talking about the people that write these movies. Actually, we're gonna do favorite scenes. We're gonna do favorite scenes. Backwards. All right, let's get back into the movie. So, favorite scenes. The best scene is when they go to Ray Finkel's house. I think when they go to Ray Finkel's parents' house. So, like Ace Ventura is on the trail trying to figure out the because he thinks that um, Ray Finkel stole the dolphin. Like, he gets some lead. He follows, like, this this clue that has to do with, like, Super Bowl trophy, like, runner-up, like, rings, mm-hmm. like, AFC championship rings. And he follows that lead to Ray Finkel, and then he goes to Ray Finkel's parents' house, who live out in the middle, like, bumfuck nowhere, in this, like, dilapidated old house. And the parents are, like, they're, like, off their rocker crazy. And it's, like, really creepy and dark. And Ace Ventura goes to their house to try and uncover some clue, and they escort him, like, into Ray Finkel, the kicker's old room, and it's all this, like, anti-Dan Marino shit everywhere. Like, pictures of Dan Marino with, like, his eyes cut out. And isotoner gloves that have been, like, stapled into shit. And all these, like, weird, like, handcrafted signs that say, Laces out, Dan! Exclamation point. <laughs> uh, I do not remember that scene. It's the best scene. Ray Finkel has this shrine of his hatred for Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> and they make him, they like his parents make Ace rewatch the missed field goal. And the mom's like, it's all that goddamn Dan Marino's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, Dan Marino can die of gonorrhea and burn in hell. And that's how they end the scene. <laughs> um, we, should, we should play that drop, actually. We should, we'll, I'll find it yeah. and we'll, we'll put it in here. Um, I mean, my most memorable scene is the last scene of the movie because, and we have a we have the drop for it, um, don't we? We don't have the drop for it. I think it's at the. I, there's a the, at the end of the scene. Like I'm, this is something that always confused me about it. But like all of everyone finds out that Ray Finkel is a, a man, and then they unveil his hemorrhoids. It's not hemorrhoids. What? It's not. No. Okay. So the very end what of- is it? But the line is like. And a very bad case of him. Like, what does he say? No, he says something like, um, either, either Lieutenant Einhorn is a man or she's suffering from the worst case of hemorrhoids I've ever seen. And then she turns around and everyone sees that she has tucked her male parts <laughs> behind, oh my God. behind the cheeks. She was a tucker. 
And so they're there. She had just been hiding them behind. And then it goes back into the crying game song. And then like everybody on the police force proceeds to like spit and what? Cause they had all, she had made out with all of them. That's what was so funny is like they had all kissed her. Oh my gosh. Now I totally get that scene. Yeah. I never understood that scene at all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, cause I, I didn't go back and rewatch it. And I've only watched this movie like piece by piece, like over the, you know, couple last couple of years, like I'll sit down and it's one of those movies you find on TV sometimes. And it's just like, you watch part of it. Yeah. But we do have the drops who unplay it. If the Lieutenant is indeed a woman as she claims to be, then my friend, she is suffering from the worst case of hemorrhoids I have ever seen. That's why Roger Pedactor is dead. He found Captain Winky. <laughs> Like even the dolphins like spitting. So like, it's like all the cops start spitting and scraping their tongues. Tone Loke is like scraping his tongue, and the dolphins like spit. Like she'd made out with literally all of them. That's funny. Like that make that scene makes so much more sense. Like I thought they were just puking because of what they were looking at, but they're puking because they all kissed them. They're not puking. They're spitting or spitting. Whatever. Yeah. 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 No, I've I've had to argue that finer point with people that have accused that scene of being transphobic. And it's like, it's a little bit different if you thought you were kissing a woman and it turns out to be a man. It's a little bit different. I guess. Like, I mean. A lot of, a lot of men would, would have yeah, a lot an of uncomfortable men, a, reaction. A lot of men would have an uncomfortable reaction. That's yeah. true. It, it is very like, it's, yeah, they wouldn't, that scene wouldn't happen today. Um, no, or, no, it wouldn't. Um, another one of my favorite scenes is when he comes out of the, I mean, it's not even a scene. It's just my favorite, one of my favorite lines is when he comes out of the bathroom and he's like. I can't do it. Do not go in there. And he's like drenched. Yeah. And then he like slaps his po- a pocket in his back butt pocket and like water squirts out. <laughs> um, we, any other scenes? Yeah. I, I mean, I just love the, the very, very end of the movie. He's getting like a, he's still chasing this um, pigeon that has been kind mm. of like a motif in the movie. Like there's this really rare exotic pigeon that has a big reward that he's chasing. And it's there at the end at the Super Bowl on like the water cooler and Ace is about to grab it. Then the Philadelphia Eagles mascot just walks over and swats it away. Like get out of here, bird. So he can get a drink. And then Ace Ventura is like pissed at him. He's like, you just cost me 5,000 bucks, buddy. And he sort of pushes him and the Eagle guy pushes him back. And then they just start fist fighting like on the sidelines and Ace is beating the shit out of this mascot Philadelphia Eagles. And then he's on the Titan Tron. And everyone's like a special thanks to Miami Dolphins for saving Snowflake Ace Ventura or whatever. And then it's showing like literally beating the shit out of a Philadelphia <laughs> Eagle. And anybody that like is into the NFL, everybody hates the Philadelphia Eagles fans and everything about them. That's true. So it was, it was a, uh, it was apropos. Yeah. And um, they're playing a Super Bowl at, you know, Miami Stadium. It must have been a coincidence. It was a coincidence because, like, that had never happened until but, last year. That's true. But <laughs> if you were going to pick a team that could theoretically have a home Super Bowl, the Miami Dolphins are one of the, like, only three or four logical choices. Yeah. Because, well, Jacksonville didn't exist then. And it was like, it was like New Orleans, Miami, yeah. and like one other. Yeah. Well, let's get into this and that production history of the, of the movie. Yeah, so this movie was written by Jack Bernstein. It might be Bernstein. I'm sorry, I don't know. Um, he His only real successful uh, credits were Ace and Her Pet Detective 1 and 2. He did some TV episodes, but this and that. Nothing really too popular. So this guy pretty much created Ace and Her Pet Detective, the character, and it's his 
it's his big ticket money item. Like it made him a lot of money and it got him these two movies and got him other work, but he never really did anything else that was uh, transcendent. Yeah. Um, and then the movie was directed and I don't know how to say this guy's last name either. Uh, Tom Shadyak, Shadyak. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he did, uh, he had some good movies and some shit ones. He also directed Liar Liar with Jim Carrey, which was mm. really successful. He directed The Nutty Professor, which was really successful, though I have my opinions about it. He directed Patch Adams, which people really like. I never got into it, but who likes Patch Adams? There's a lot of there's a lot of people. The dramedy people like Patch Adams. Mm. And dramedy, if you haven't heard me say this on the podcast before, is comedies that aren't funny. Robin Williams, we haven't done anything with Robin Williams, I don't think. Oof, we should do Mrs. Doubtfire, but man, that story's sad. Oh, real quick, I want to say Tom Shadyak also directed I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, which I recently watched for the first time and is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Ace Ventura, huge success. They immediately greenlight the sequel. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective 2, When Nature Calls. Yes. Ow. I saw that in the theater. I think I did too. The only thing I can remember about it is that he's they're trying to find a bat. Is that a bat? Yeah. He's trying to find a bat. A great white bat. A great white bat. And... But the really the only thing I remember from the movie is him coming out of the, the rhinoceros. The rhino. the, 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 the <laughs> <I> <laughs> so we, we asked my wife to start doing some of the marketing for Super 90s Bros. And I told her she needs to create a, like a meme for this episode where you and I are falling out of the rhino's butt. <laughs> um, it's like Super 90s Bros does Ace Ventura. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the movie, I mean... I think the movie ended up doing really, really well, but it was a terrible Yeah, it's movie. not as good. I, I didn't want to get too deep in it because I think we could actually do a show on that. Yeah. I think it was popular enough we could do a show on that someday. Yeah. I, just, I guess I just wanted to say that it was uber popular. Everyone went and saw it out of like almost habit or respect to Jim Carrey at that point. Like, oh, this guy's funny. We're going to go see it. Yeah. And Ace Ventura 1 was so funny. Ace Ventura 2 was, it was thrown together too fast and it, it didn't have nearly the same charm and a lot of the same gimmicks just didn't seem that funny the second time around. Right. And, and this is, I mean, I mean, this is Jim Carrey, like right now is like, this is the craziest movie career in like in three years. It goes Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, The Cable Guy. Then Liar Liar. Like, from 1994 to 1997, those are the movies that he made. That's a pretty good list. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. that he And he was he was working nonstop. He had to have been. And then he started doing... Well, he was the hottest actor in Hollywood. I mean, or at least the hottest comedian. Yeah. A funny actor. Yeah. And then he stopped doing funny stuff, and now he does... And then he went and did Truman Show, Man on the Moon, and... God, Truman Show's so good, though. Truman Show's really good. Yeah. Should have won an Academy Award for that. I agree. Truman, I, I prefer Truman Show so much to Man on the Moon. I'm pretty sure he lost to Tom Hanks. Oh, really? Or whatever that movie's called. I, I Saving Prior Ryan. I, can't, I hate Saving It's so boring. I, I can't remember what, what show it was, but somebody was like, Tom Hanks, he needs another Oscar. Like, I need a, a hole in the head. You know? <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of the dumb shit about this movie. Dumb shit. I don't really have any... I mean... Yeah, the butt talk. Yeah, the butt talking is stupid. The butt. Talk, I don't. I mean, that was childish humor. Like, every, but everyone started doing it too. When you're like on the everyone, the, the 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 comedian kids, the kids that were like always thought they were like yeah. the funniest people in the no, world. My buddy Kip did it. Yeah, my buddy Kip did it to me once with his pants down. <laughs> that's great. It, I I can't even tell you the rest of that story on air. It's too disgusting. <laughs> I don't even want to. Know. And I don't want our audience to know. <laughs> um, the part where he goes to the mental asylum and he sort of he sort of fakes uh, 
developmental disability or, or some sort of a, a, a mental issue, it's it's really cheap humor. Like, you thought talking out of your butt was cheap humor. This is on that same level. It's like, I mean, you're... The, the mentally ill are... They weren't they weren't a target to be ridiculed at that time. Yeah. Like, they, like that shit had had passed. Like that was some '80s shit. So it, it feels out of place, and it's not overly offensive. He doesn't do or say anything necessarily that's that's like strikes you as oh that's awful. It's yeah. just the whole concept of it. You mean when you bring it up, like I I didn't think there's anything really taboo or wrong about this movie until now we're talking about it. Like I would probably watch this still today and not think too much about Ray Tinkle Finkel. Finkel. Man, I like that. That's like, that's a good thing to keep on happening in the show. Uh, being trans, being being trans. Like, but yeah, it's a very, well, I don't even know that you could call Ray Finkel trans or wasn't he just in hiding? Crossdresser, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know know the right word. I don't. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they obviously don't touch on it at all. Like about why he, do they? Do they well, ever he's get in it? hiding for for like murder? Oh, that's a big part of the movie I miss. Yeah, who did he murder? He murdered Lieutenant Einhorn. But he... Ace Ventura finds something out at one point that Lieutenant Einhorn had like disappeared, and then like she came back, and so like Finkel, like if I'm remembering this right, and I I could be wrong. Man, I don't remember this at all. I'm pretty sure that that was the connection that Ace found. That there was something going on with Finkel and Einhorn, mm. and there was, and then he finds some news article about how Lieutenant Einhorn had disappeared, and he's like, "What is going on?" And that's when he made the connection that like Finkel is Einhorn. So Finkel comes back as Einhorn mm-hmm. and to hide his own identity as a failed loser kicker, and to also like position himself in place to exact revenge on Dan Marino. That's one thing I'm dumb shit about the movie is so he kidnaps the dolphin, yeah. For what reason? It, I don't remember exactly. I know it had something to do with like superstition. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Like the like they were gonna lose. They would lose the Super Bowl. They didn't. He did not want them to win. Yeah, it's like Ray Finkel at the time didn't have the means, I guess, to kidnap Dan Marino. So he kidnapped the Dolphin to get to Dan. It's kind of some like James Bond villain shit, where it's like a really indirect path to what you want. Yeah, sounds like a. I mean. Sounds like the plot, almost the Celtic Pride. Celtic Pride is so stupid. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen Celtic Pride, it's like Dan Aykroyd and like I think it's uh, Daniel Stern. Yeah, and they kidnapped Damon Wayans, who's like the star guard of the Utah Jazz during the NBA Finals, so that the Celtics can win. Yeah, and you know what the movie the movie is really bad, but what I hate most about the movie is that at the end they become Utah Jazz fans. That is you so, hate that as a sports fan. Yeah, that is so unacceptable <laughs> to me as an ending. That is, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually rewatched, I rewatched Celtic Pride not too long ago and actually really enjoyed it. Really? I thought Damon Wayans was hilarious in it. His character as like, because they're making fun of like Michael Jordan and like a lot of just famous athletes at the time because they do, they have a couple like fake commercials in it and it's, Damon Wayans is great. I don't remember like hating it. I just hated the ending. I hated the premise. What happened to Damon Wayans? Uh, well, he did all he did that my wife and kids show for a while. Oh, is that what he's doing now? I don't know if he's still doing it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't like. I, I I was annoyed that the Celtic Pride fans were displayed the way they were, and I was annoyed that Robert De Niro in the movie The Fan with Wesley Snipes was displayed the way he was because I had always identified as a super fan, and I thought both of those movies cast negative light on me. Do you like The Fan with Patton Oswalt? 
Big fan. Big fan, sorry. Yes, I do. Big fan's probably my favorite sports fan movie. I mm. think it's the most realistic. He gets beat the fuck out of by their starting defensive end, and he doesn't want to tell the cops because he knows he'll get suspended for a game, and you'd rather have the team win. That is so big. That is so me. That is so super fan. Yeah. Um, well, I think we I think we covered it all. Yeah, I mean, the movie's not overly complicated. We're not going to do too deep of a dive. I will say that we did this movie because we want to do more Jim Carrey movies. And I, we, I think we felt like we couldn't Adam Lynn didn't, didn't Adam, Lynn? Adam, our, our, our super our, Adam number three, for those <laughs> keeping track since Brennan's having a, an affair on me with Adam Morrison. Um, I'm, that's not true. It is. Don't listen to this, Adam. Um, we should talk more about this. No, we're not going to talk about this at all. Um, <laughs> so Adam number three, Adam Lynn, who's one of our super fans that we love. Didn't he request Jim Carrey stuff? He, yeah. And yeah. so, and we had to do the first Jim Carrey movie before we move on to other Jim Carrey movies. Yeah. Like, cause we're going to do dumb and dumber probably. And, and liar, liar. And, li- and I think dumber, dumber is probably like the greatest. It's the greatest nineties comedy ever. Greatest, 90s the greatest nineties comedy. comedy ever. It's probably the greatest comedy ever. Cause comedy movies don't exist anymore. Absolutely true. It's certainly in the discussion. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this was a, listen, if you guys liked our show today, we'd like it if you guys could thank us by giving us those awesome five-star reviews on iTunes and Apple Music. You could also reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook and all that shit. Email the show your request. You have a show topic you want us to do. You have a 90s thing. We're interested. Yeah, I will say, final thoughts on this movie. We already said it. I will, I want to ask you a question about the movie though. What is Rotten Tomato? I don't know it. Um... I know the Metacritic's just score, and I don't, they usually... You always bring up Metacritic. Who uses Metacritic? I use Metacritic. You're the only one. Stop bringing up Metacritic on our show. Fine. Thank you. We'll Uh, use Rotten Tomatoes like normal people. (laughs) What do you think? I'm guessing the Ace Ventura Part 1? Yep. Oh, it's got to be low. I mean, he talks out of his ass, literally. I'm going to guess, I don't know, 30? 49. 50%. It's better than I thought. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought it was... I thought it actually might be higher because of Jim Carrey and the success, but like, you know, I can, I get why it's so low. (laughs) Still Um, still rotten though. They're bringing, also they're bringing back. What's the audience score? 57. What? That's low. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, So they also are bringing back Ace Ventura. Oh, please don't. They're bringing it back. Do Do you fucking realize every one of our episodes is like this? What? Every one of our episodes, you have some breaking news about how they're rebooting some piece of shit version of it. <laughs> That's true. About something we loved in the 90s. Yep. Um, who is uh, who's rebooting Ace Ventura? It's not Jim Carrey? No, it's not. It's a, They're getting an, an entire... They're getting a new... A new younger Jim? Like a new actor to play Ace uh, he's Ventura? A, he's been around for 10-ish years, 12 years. Is he a comedian? No. Is he white? Yes. Chris Pratt. Think of um, young white male who might look kind of like Jim Carrey. I have no idea. Evan me. Peters. Oh, Evan Peters from American Horror Story. Yeah. I, you know, he's got a lot of range. He does. I mean, I love Evan Peters. Yeah. I think he's probably one of, how we say this to Abby, like he's one of the actors, like big actors, like up up and coming actors. I mean, he's been around forever with American Horror Story. I agree. I, my favorite young and up and coming actor was Anton Yelchin for the longest time. Oh, he tragically passed away in like a horrific auto accident that was the manufacturer's fault, which is, it just bummed me out so much. He was my favorite young actor. 
Evan Peters is in my top three, though. Yeah, Evan Peters. So re- they're going to reboot it with... They might reboot it with Evan Peters, I think. That's who's attached right now. Interesting. Um, and I don't, I, know that yeah. it, I don't know that it works. There's a show on HBO right now that is... It's called Mayor of Easttown. Yeah. And it's like Kate Winslet. And then but Evan Peters plays a young detective that works with her on this case. Anyways, it's good. I love Evan Peters. Hopefully, if he does Ace Ventura, he can, I think he can do a good job. He does have a lot of range. He does. Well, I wish him the best, although I, I don't know, I'm pessimistic that that concept can work in 2022 or whatever. What's your opinion on, I mean, I mean, I get that it's a reboot in Hollywood. We always talk about this a lot on the show. Like, Hollywood does not have any good ideas anymore, and so they just reboot shit. And But, like, is Ace Ventura one of those movies that could just be made continually over like course of like 20 years like like a james bond ace ventura it's like like a nude pet is stolen every time yeah i don't think so you don't think so i because you're relying so much on that gimmicky humor. that's true yeah it's not like a, it's not like a franchise james bond you know it was always about the action sequences and mm-hmm. the the bond girls and like things that you could replenish again and again and in different ways you can't replenish that that gimmick that's true. It just gets tired after like the third time. Yeah. Well, but best we, of luck. We hope you guys didn't get tired of us, and we hope you're listening to the Super 90s Bros for more than the third time. And check out our vast library of former episodes, including Blank Check, which we mentioned, and many others. Uh, in Living Color, we also did. If you're a Jim Carrey fan, you'll like that one. And uh, listen, we think you guys are total studs. Anyone listening to the show right now is a, is an Adonis physically. I'm sure that you get laid whenever you want by whomever you want because you're just so fucking cool. And uh, we appreciate you guys so much. Keep showing us love with those five stars and whatever you can do and share the show with your friends if you think they'd like it. Yeah. Um, next week? Mario Kart. In the next... 15 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> our next show is going to be on uh, Mario Kart for Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64, which you guys have fun with. Yeah. So we'll we'll see you. We'll see you soon. Yeah. For Brennan Pointer, this has been another awesome episode of Super 90s Brothers. I am Adam J. Pitzler. All righty then. Have a good night, guys. Peace. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Can you feel that, buddy? Exercise the demons. This house is clear. <laughs>